So, with that, let's open in prayer this morning, and uh, we'll give you an opportunity uh, during this prayer if you have any prayer requests that you can call them out, okay? Let's pray. God, we gather in this place this morning. For some of us, it's been a hectic week. Uh, for some, it has been um, maybe a low-key week. But Sunday, the day that we kind of pause what we would normally be doing and gather in this place to acknowledge you and to worship you as the creator, as the redeemer, as the sustainer, the one who comes to save us, the one who loves us. And so we give you that praise today and that honor because you are worthy because you have come to us before we knew anything of you. You have reached out to us throughout the ages, time and time again. You have sought to be in deep relationship with us. And that was not because of anything we have done, but because that's the God that you are. And so we just want to say thank you this morning. And we say yes to that offer of relationship. That's why we are gathered here this morning. God, we do want to confess some things to you, though, because as this week has gone on, we've had opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we have missed the mark. We have not represented him well, uh, even though we have carried the name of Jesus with us, we have not represented him well. We've done some things we shouldn't have done. We've left some things undone. We've done things intentionally and unintentionally. And we don't want that to hinder us from being in relationship with you this morning. Because we expect to hear a word from you. We expect to be energized by your presence, by our fellowship with one another. And so we don't want our sins to stand in the way. Please forgive us. Please remove them as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. And we thank you for that forgiveness. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship this morning in a place that has good air conditioning, especially in this Texas heat that we have been uh, re-remembering <laughs> this week what Texas summers can be like. And so to be in this place where we're comfortable is a blessing. And we know that not all of our brothers and sisters around the world have this opportunity. Thank you. We thank you for being present among us. I thank you for this band behind me that leads us in worship. I thank you for our AV team that makes uh, all the things easy to read on the screen and our connection to our folks on Facebook possible. We are a blessed church, Lord, and uh, it's not, again, not because of anything we've done, just because you're a good God. And so we want to acknowledge all of that, and we want to uh, be gracious with that that you have entrusted to us. We want to lift up prayer requests to you right now, Lord. These are people in situations that are heavy on our hearts this morning. We want to call them out to you, and as we do, we're going to ask that you hear our prayer and that you take that burden and make our hearts a little bit lighter this morning. 
as we trust that you are working toward the good of all who love you. And we love you this morning, Lord, and so uh, we believe that you are working on our behalf. Hear these prayer requests now as we call them out. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Joanne Skeen, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Mike Hodson, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we also lift to you uh, our conference as we head toward July 1st and all of the new appointments become effective. We thank you for the gift of our district superintendents, many of which whom are retiring June 30th. And we know the congregations they are serving. Uh, we just pray that you would give them uh, all the knowledge and um, humility that they need for the job. We continue to pray for our bishop as she leads us out of this season of um, sadness and hurt and conflict uh, into a new place. I pray for Grace Church as we uh, take the next five weeks to um, really dig into what we believe our strategic uh, values are in reaching the Zacchaeuses of the world. See uh, here, may we see uh, you use our church as you have so many times in the past. Use us again for your good purposes. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um, I'm deviating from electionary for a little bit for this five-week series that I'm doing. Um, you know, last week, how many people were here last week? Good, fantastic. So I preached a sermon on my interpretation of the Zacchaeus story, uh, which is essentially that Zacchaeus was climbing a tree because the crowd was not a safe place to be, but he really, really wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. And Jesus stood in solidarity with him, called him down into the crowd, and said, look, he too is a son of Abraham. He's part of us. He's part of this community, even if you don't like him. And so uh, I feel, based on uh, some things that God has shown me, that that's really our calling as Grace Church, that there are a lot of good churches doing a lot of good things in Palestine and beyond. But as Grace Church, our task is going to be to find those people who feel church to be a little bit threatening, 
uh, but really want to glimpse Jesus. And we're going to give them a safe space to do that. And we're going to call them into this place, and we're going to welcome them home, just as Jesus welcomed Zacchaeus home. So based on that, for the next five weeks, I'm going to be preaching about what I think uh, will be our uh, core values and a strategic um, uh, mission as we attempt to do that. And so I'm picking texts uh, that speak to this. The text that I have chosen for us today is Acts chapter 4, 32 through 514. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. We need to be giving each other nicknames, by the way. The apostles and Jesus love to give people nicknames. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property with his wife's knowledge. He kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard of it. The young men came and wrapped up his body, then carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Yet more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, great numbers of both men and women. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. 
O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What is real? Asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Well, does it hurt, asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be kept carefully. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to the people who don't understand. Velveteen Rabbit. You all know that story, right? Great story. About a rabbit who comes to live in the toy room of a kid and finds out that it is possible to become fully alive if you are loved well. Mark, don't let me forget. I'm putting that right there. Don't let me forget. That's in your way. Can you imagine uh, getting to a place where experiencing true love and the joy of becoming someone who is fully alive in every sense overrides all of your fear of being hurt? That's what this story is about. Getting to the place where you don't mind the uh, chance that you could be hurt because you know of what's coming through the process. This is the problem that we've been talking about, right? We talked last week, the number one reason that people do not go to church, the reason that over 13,000 people are at their homes this morning in Palestine, Texas, or cutting their grass, or watering their lawn, or turning on morning news, over 13,000 People are at home this morning because they don't trust religious institutions. They fear being manipulated, being lied to, cheated out of their money. They have a fear of being hurt. And so for them, it's easier just to practice their own individual brand of faith, whatever that is, from the safety of their homes. And you know what? I don't blame them because the church has done some awful things for 2,000 years. Religion has caused a lot of harm. Religion has caused war. Crooked preachers, judgmental parishioners using the fear of hell to maintain control over their people, wasting people's hard-earned money on frivolous things. And yet, 
we read about these earliest followers of Jesus who no doubt experienced some of these same things, and yet they found something worth holding on to. Something worth keeping coming back week after week after week in this new community. That thing that they found was what this rabbit was talking about, the hope of becoming alive in Christ, alive in a sense in which they weren't already, the life of Christ being infused into them, this idea that they were part of something bigger than themselves, and this newfound hope and faith was lived out through extravagant generosity toward one another. Generosity. This is our first strategic value, core value that we're going to talk about today. Generosity. Not something, as far as I can tell in the, the book of Acts, not something that was commanded by Jesus or the apostles. Nobody said you have to do this thing or Here's the threshold you have to meet if you want to be a part of what we're doing. It's just something that spontaneously arose from their hearts because they realized now that we have been baptized into this thing, now that we believe Jesus is the Christ, we belong to God and we belong to one another in a way that we did not before. And we realize that everything good comes from God and that we can't take any of it with us when we go. So let's make a difference with it now. But you see, not everybody was willing to risk being hurt to gain these benefits of being part of this Jesus community. We read about Ananias and Sapphira who wanted the benefits of belonging without the risk of pain. And so when they sell a field, they keep back a portion of the money and they take the remainder and they bring it to the apostles' feet and said, look what we got for our field. We want to give this to you. You see, they wanted to operate with the world's mindset. Well, what is the world's mindset? Having the appearance of faithfulness without the sacrifice, essentially. Right? Giving gifts with expectations or strings Attached. Oh my, how often do we in the church give gifts with strings and expectations attached? That is a worldly mindset. Ananias and Sapphira never really gave themselves over to true generosity. It was a semblance of generosity. You see, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira wasn't that they didn't give all of their money. That wasn't the problem, according to Peter. It was that they were not genuine in their giving. And when Peter rebukes them, we learn something about the nature of this new community called the church, how this new thing operates. Peter says, what's yours is yours. It always was. When you had the field, it was yours. When you sold the field and got the money, the money was yours. You see, this isn't communism we're talking about here. Instead, this is 
communism. Take the U out of it. It's not about you. Communism. Communism, as I see it, according to this text, is a voluntary way of living without feeling the pressure to hold on to things if it benefits the whole. You own it, but if God lays it on your heart to give it, then give it freely. Keep the field. Keep the money from the sale of the field. But if God calls you to give, give it with honesty and love and grace with no strings attached. Because there are no uh, power moves here in the church. You don't have to lie about how much you're giving. Tell us you're giving half of it. It doesn't matter. It's still a gift. You know, some people get hung up on the sudden deaths of Ananias and Sapphira, and they ask, did God do this? Did God strike them dead because they lied? Well, the text doesn't say that. It doesn't connect God directly to their deaths. Maybe they had a heart condition. I don't know. We just know when Peter rebuked them, they both fell down and died. Personally, I think it's a metaphor because as I was studying it this week, I thought, you know what this is? This story of Ananias and Fire. The reason that Luke included this in the story, because the old ways of thinking and doing life together, they're not going to work in this new thing called the church. It's not going to fly. And then Luke tells us that the young men, or the new ways of being together in community, they will sweep this old way out and they will bury it. Gone. It has no place in the church. It's really funny. I extended the text just a little bit because Luke also told us that this extravagant generosity that the church displayed for one another actually kept some people from joining them. He said, none outside the church dared join them because of this, even though they held the apostles in high esteem. And I thought, you know, that seems kind of counterproductive to what we're trying to achieve here. What we're talking about is making new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We're talking about growing Grace Church. We don't want to scare people off. We'll take anybody we can, right? But then I kept reading. And then I thought, oh, this process works. This is a process. Because when you choose to live a radically generous life, naturally the Ananiases and Sapphiruses will get weeded out. They'll get weeded out naturally. And those who like the Velveteen Rabbit, who desire so strongly to belong to something bigger than themselves and to be transformed, or as he says, be made real, even if it brings the risk of being hurt in the process, those folks will naturally be drawn to what we're doing. You see, God knows what He's doing here. He's asking us to live a certain way because it's going to separate those who are serious and those who are not. But see, this has to begin with all of us here. See, now we talked a little bit this morning We've got some folks that do some amazing things here at Grace Church. When, I'm sorry, Calvin, I'm going I'm to brag on you for just a second, but when I came up here and for two days I see 
Calvin out here sweating uh, in this summer heat um, that I don't want to be out in, uh, but he's out there cutting that because I sent Jay to tug on his sleeve and he and it was a trick that I played. I thought that's generous. That's generosity. See, now, now Calvin's not doing that because he's looking for any kind of kudos, even though I'm bringing you up this morning. He's not doing it because he really wants a, a, a position on the SPR, and so he thinks if he cuts the grass, then I'll give him what he... Right? There's no strings attached. He's just doing it because Jay asked him. And we, and we got folks doing that kind of stuff all the time. Some of it I, I, I don't even know. I didn't know Frank was going to put a handle on the door. I'm grateful for that because that has bothered me for a year. I didn't know you were going to do that. I didn't even ask you to do that, right? But, but what we see in this early community in Acts is that everybody's living this way. Everybody's living this way. And, and this is not just about money. I know one of, the, one of the reasons people don't come to church is because the church is always asking for money. I, I'm not... I'm not talking just about money here. I'm just talking about a spirit of generosity. Generous with your material things. Generous with your money, sure. Generous with your time. Generous with your prayers. Generosity. Just a, a, a sense that I have something that I can give that will contribute to the whole and make this place different than the world. And so I'm in. And even if that means I might get hurt in the process, I'm still in because I belong to this thing. Because I belong to this. And because I'm being transformed through the process. You see, we have gotten into the habit, not just this church, every church that I have ever stepped into has gotten into the habit of thinking of themselves as individuals who have gathered into a place on Sunday morning. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I live out my faith. Oh, and I go to church on Sunday, and I'm there with other Jesus followers, other individuals with personal relationships with Jesus Christ. That's a bad habit. That's a bad way of looking at this. Because it's not about you and your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about the community to which you are joined to Christ. Which is why Paul says, don't you know that y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You're not a bunch of individual temples of the Holy Spirit running around. Collectively, as the community, the Spirit lives in you. Grace Church, the Spirit lives in y'all. Right? We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so we have to start thinking that way that we have been baptized into this new upside-down kingdom, kingdom, economy, whatever you want to call it, this new nation, this thing called Christ, the church, that we have been adopted into and now belong to. And so we have to live in a way that seems reckless, to the world, reckless to the world, not so that God will bless us. I know some preachers preach this uh, prosperity gospel, right? If you give, God will 
return back to you X amount and overflow. If you give $50, God will give you back $100, right? It's just, the, it's like this, have you heard of that? The, the, it's a false gospel, it's not true. The Bible doesn't preach that. In fact, it's actually the opposite. If you choose to enter into this thing and live according to the way that uh, love kind of dictates that we live, you might get hurt in the process. Being transformed into the likeness of Christ actually brings some pain at some times. There are Ananiases and Sapphiruses that are around us and that will try to get over on us. But that's okay because we're a part of something bigger than ourselves and God is going to take care of us in the process. So I'm not preaching a, a, a false prosperity gospel here. I'm saying we need to live in a way that seems reckless to the world so that the people on the outside will take note. There's something different about that church. They truly love one another in a way that I don't see anywhere else. I'm part of a, a bowling league and my bowling buddies, don't, we don't love each other that way. Or I'm part of the uh, Knights of Columbus, but, but my, my friends there, we don't, we don't love each other that way. There's something different about that church down on the golf course. I've seen the way they take care of each other, the way they're generous with their time, the way they're generous with their material things, the way they're generous with their money. Even if it costs them personally, they are generous to a fault. You've got to live this way so that people on the outside begin to take note. And then what happens is those who want to play games will just stay home. And those who actually want to belong to something bigger than themselves and to have the hope of being made truly alive in Christ and being transformed into something new they will be drawn, drawn into the fold. And when they come in those doors, we'll say, welcome home. You're what's been missing here. Welcome home. You see, I really identify with the rabbit because after the skin horse gives him this news, on the next page he says, uh, says the rabbit sighed. He thought it would be a long time before this magic called real happened to him. He longed to become real, to know what it felt like, and yet the idea of growing shabby and losing his eyes and whiskers was rather sad. He wished that he could become it without these uncomfortable things happening to him. Right? Me too. I, I wish I could be like Jesus without the risk of being hurt, without uh, feeling some of those bumps and bruises. And yet, by the end of the story, if you've read the story, you know that the boy does love him. And the boy does call him real, and all of his fur is loved off, and his stitches come undone. And to the world, he seems gross and shabby and worth discarding into the trash. But he doesn't care because to the boy, he's beautiful, and he's real, and he's something new, and he belongs. And so he doesn't care what the world thinks anymore. You see, we too, here at Grace Church, we can be fully alive. But it's going to take a willingness to live in a way that seems contrary to what we've always been told. 
What did your parents tell you? You've got to look out for number one first, right? When you get on a plane, what, what do they tell you in the pre-flight things? If there's an emergency, make sure you put on your own mask first before you help anybody else, right? It's, it's, it's in the water that we drink everywhere. You've got to take care of yourself first. And if there's anything left over, then you can think about helping other people. Folks, that way of living and thinking, it's not going to survive in God's economy. That way of thinking and living will get buried. And so what I want to say this morning is that if we want to reach the Zacchaeuses in the world, those who have looked from the outside and said, that's not a safe place to be, and so I'm just going to stay home this morning. If we want to not just survive, but thrive, we've got to be generous. It's the first core value that I want us to really think about this week. We've got to be generous to a fault in a way that seems reckless. Not because it's commanded, not because it's dictated, not because I'm telling you that if you do this thing, God will give you back ten times as much guaranteed. No. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. We're going to live this way because this is what's going to set us apart from everybody else. As Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. That's how they're going to know that you're my disciples. I'm going to close with Paul's words to the church at Corinth. Now, the, the Corinthian church had promised to take up an offering for another church. And Paul was uh, a little bit worried that maybe they weren't going to come through. And so he was sending ambassadors to help them organize the money and take up the collection before it was actually time to give the money. <laughs> He's like, I'm, just, I'm sending a couple brothers and sisters over there just to help you get organized because I know that your hearts are in the right place. But here's what he says, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't, if you have reluctance about what you're about to give, don't give it. If you feel pressured to give what you're about to give, don't give it. Right? Only when your heart is in the right place. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We might, we might face some bumps and bruises. We might take some hits in doing this. But if we commit to living this way as a generous people, God will make sure that we have what we need to continue to be generous to one another. And that generosity will continue to spill out beyond the walls of this church. That's my hope and prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder today that uh, while the world operates on one principle, uh, you have called us to something entirely different. And uh, as we think about this this week, we know that it comes with some risks. Uh, we know that... Um, 
We, we know the history of church. We know. We know that, that people have been swindled. We, we know that pastors have run off with money. We know that um, all kinds of bad things have happened. But we believe that if we choose to live this way, to be open to your voice saying, I want you to give this or to give that, to give this time, to volunteer here or there, uh, to uh, open up use of this thing or that thing, that even if we get hurt in the process, really, this is not about the institution or humanity. This is about our relationship with you and whether we trust that you can continue to provide for us and look out for us even in the midst of the swindlers. That you are faithful to kind of weed out the Ananiases and Sapphiras. And that uh, the folks that are drawn to this kind of life will begin to appear among us. Those are the people we're looking for. So help us to submit to this. As scary as it is, as contrary as it is to the ways in which we are told to behave, help us to truly love one another. Help us to be generous. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. With that, will you take the hand of the person next to you and receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, grace is another word for generosity, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved. You're completely forgiven and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do, you're going to make some mistakes this week, folks. It happens to the best of us, but it doesn't change how God feels about us because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in the very nature of God. So that by his amazing grace, when he looks at us, he says, y'all, you're nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you can leave here believing just a pinch of that, it has the power to transform your week. And so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please believe it and take that good word and go in peace.